You're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with the most visionary humans on this earth in hopes that you'll be able to absorb their wisdom, avoid their failures, and feel less alone on the roller coaster ride that is entrepreneurship. This season, I'll be chatting with creative thinkers, masterful marketers, brick and mortar shop owners, brand builders, and people just like you who have a story to share or a vision that inspires. If I can share one quick secret with you before we get into the episode, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. You know, that spark that nudges us to pursue our full potential in this lifetime. But perhaps somewhere along the line, it got covered up. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to explore that inner voice and access the brilliance deep down inside of you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Hey, visionaries. Welcome back to the show. I am brimming with excitement right now. I just finished a conversation with Leah Yard. We actually did a podcast swap, and so you'll be able to hear my story on her podcast, Voted Least Likely. But in this episode, I am interviewing Leah Yard, who is a West Coast-based jewelry designer living in Vancouver, and she is the founder of Leah Yard Designs. Now, first off, if you are looking for the most beautiful gold pendant necklace, or she has these zodiac pendants or guardian pendants, definitely go check out her website right away. I know you haven't even listened to the episode yet, but go to leahyarddesigns.com. Her jewelry is absolutely incredible. But what's more than that too, is that Leah has such a great story. So we start at the beginning of her life where she grew up on a lighthouse island. And I'm literally Googling, how can I move to a lighthouse island where there's no internet, where your food and your mail gets delivered once a month by airplane? What the heck? This is so cool. I can't believe I didn't know this existed. And then when she got off the island, she went to high school, but ended up dropping out and never imagined entrepreneurship, especially in the jewelry design space. She never thought that was her path. And you'll have to tune into the full episode to hear how she worked through feelings of imposter syndrome, how she found herself hiding in a bathroom stall because she was so terrified that she was going to be found out and so much more. Leah has a great story to share. She calls herself kind of an accidental entrepreneur. And after a decade of working minimum wage jobs, she found herself in this incredible design career. She's not shy about talking about the true highs and lows. So I think you're going to appreciate the honest, perspective on what it takes to run a business and to figure it all out. And I really hope you love this one. So go check out leahyarddesigns.com. I know you're going to love her stuff. On to the show. Hey, Visionary, I want to quickly interrupt this podcast to share about something pretty urgent, and that's that we are raising our prices for one-on-one private business and marketing coaching effective March 1st. So that means if you've been wanting to hire a private business and marketing coach, you feel like you need to increase your visibility, figure out your search engine optimization, get really good at social media, and just pull together all the loose ends of your marketing plan or your non-existent marketing plan, now is the perfect time. I only have space for two more clients to start in March. And if that is you, I would love for you to head to 
kelseyridle.com. Click on private coaching and just fill in the application and let me know that you're interested. We'll get on a Zoom call and I'll do a little audit of your existing SEO and social media and self-expressed content strategy. I'll give you some immediate tips on how you can improve, get more leads and sign more clients and turn followers into paid clients. And then we can see if private business and marketing coaching is a good fit for you. And if it is, I'd love to get you in at our current rates before they go up by $1,250. So again, head to KelseyRidal.com or you can just send me a DM on Instagram. I'm at Kelsey Rydell and let's chat. So let's get back to the episode and I will talk to you soon. Leo, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. There's something that I read in your bio online and it said that you actually grew up on a lighthouse island. I need to know more about this. Please tell us more about this upbringing. Absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, so it's a very unusual way to start. So from ages four to nine, I lived with my family on an isolated lighthouse island, um, which means you are in the middle of nowhere on an island. Food and mail arrives by helicopter once a month. Um, there are no stores. There's no, uh, we didn't have internet. Um, you know, it, this was this was really real off the grid, off the grid. Um, and it was a very bizarre experience. Um, it was a really beautiful experience. I mean, just seeing things, you know, sea lions and orcas and jellyfish. And I mean, it was, it was unbelievable and such an incredible experience to have at such a young age, just when you, you know, just learning about things. Um, it was, I will say challenging in the sense that that's four years out of my childhood that I'm not learning how to socialize, how to cross a street, how to buy something in a store. Um, so reintegrating into society, my first experience with my, well, with anyone really were my peers, which were like preteen girls, which is a tough crowd. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. So, and just not understanding how to navigate that, not understanding how to socialize. Um, my first experience in school was grade six. And I remember I would just stare at people because I didn't know you don't know what's appropriate, what isn't appropriate. And I was just a weird little island kid. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know. Um, so there were definitely some downsides to it. I I'm grateful for the experience because it certainly shaped me into who I am. Um, but it was, there were certainly some challenges and some, you know, kinks along the way, just getting back in and, and learning things that you don't, that you don't know. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an incredible experience. Fascinating. You know what? I'm probably going to spend an hour after this podcast Googling how can I live on a lighthouse island? Or I'll just message you and we can talk about that after. But so interesting. And I can see how that would come with a lot of challenges. I'm also curious are there any personality traits that you feel like were downloaded onto you while living on the island that have actually served you in a positive way? at this point in life or even in your entrepreneurial journey? Definitely, definitely. I used to joke and say that my design career started on the middle of, in, in the middle of the ocean on a rock because I really feel like that 
um, just gave me the sense of creativity. I mean, there weren't craft stores. So anything you, you really had to think outside the box. And um, as much as my family wanted to live off the grid, I never did. <laughs> Even when I was little, I was really interested in fashion and the city and stuff like that. So I would create, um, you know, hats out of ferns and shoes out of egg cartons and, you know, that kind of thing. But that ability to create something with little or kind of no supplies really helped and it forces you to innovate and pivot um and it's funny because I never would have thought about that at the time but now that's something that looking back it's like oh yeah I was developing my brain in that way to look at things differently and gain a different perspective um and that has certainly helped with my design career it's helped with just entrepreneurship just that you know, navigating, pivoting, all that, all of those things. So there's definitely some some good that came with it and things that are really, truly ingrained for sure. Very fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah. Yeah, I love that you were able to nurture that creative side of your brain, which I feel like is not as common these days when we're plugged into the internet and there's stimulation everywhere. And so I can see how that would serve you very well in this chapter of your life. I am very curious. I know you went on to high school and eventually ended up dropping out of high school. So take us back to that chapter. Did you have any idea what you wanted to do with your life? That big grand old question that we get asked when we're in high school, <laughs> what prompted you to eventually say, this isn't for me and to leave that structure? Yeah, not a clue, not a clue what I wanted to do at all. Um, I am most definitely not a born entrepreneur. I, I cannot stress that enough. I never wanted to, I didn't have big goals and dreams, which I know sounds a little dark, but the thing is, I think because of that upbringing, it was really challenging to integrate into school. So I kind of went in and out of public school and homeschool. And then eventually I dropped out after grade nine, I moved out and I worked two jobs and lived alone and it was entry-level jobs I was a high school dropout and I was very I think it was just a lack of experiencing that um I didn't experience enough other people so I think it was whatever I was told I would believe so yep. I knew that if you don't get an education you don't amount to anything and I remember just thinking well that sucks but I guess that's what it is, you know, and, and it sounds really dark, but I just was really gullible. And, and I just didn't have big dreams because it was like, well, I guess I'm just not one of those people that gets to do that. And so really all through my 20s, it was just entry level jobs. And when I look back at it now, I think survival is kind of the word that comes to mind. I think I was just kind of getting through and just doing what you had to do. It didn't mean that I didn't want to do things. I just thought, well, I'm just not one of those people that gets to do that. And it's, I, I it makes me sad when I think about it because I feel like, oh, there was such a, a waste of time there in a sense, but it was also, you don't know what you don't know. And I knew just survival. And I knew that you know, you just got to tough it out. And I had a lot of terrible jobs that I'm grateful for because you learn so much when you're at the bottom. Um, and it makes you appreciate, it really makes you appreciate things. So mm -hmm. I did end up getting my GED. <laughs> that is my highest level of education. Um, and um, everything else is just kind of self-taught and just failure all the way <laughs> until you get it. So you mentioned you're kind of in that survival mode, working these entry level jobs. And I feel like often, cause I've totally been there too, at that stage, 
you really almost don't even have the capacity to think about entrepreneurship. Like that is a word that also comes with feeling safe in what you do and being able to take a risk and to be able to even dream about a big dream, like you were saying that you didn't even have for so much of your life. It does require some safety and like feeling like, okay, I'm allowed to explore what else is out there. So at what point in your twenties did this idea to start a business or at what point did you start to explore this side of yourself that would one day become a jewelry designer and an entrepreneur? It, it was, I feel like it was in the back of my mind without me knowing it for a long time. Um, I think a lot of the time it comes down to sort of the language that we have around things. So when I would hear, you know, business owner, entrepreneur, just who I envisioned that person was, I didn't match up with like that didn't my identity didn't match up with who that person is to me that sounds like somebody who's really got their shit together and is educated and that's just not how I viewed myself so yeah. I had um, made jewelry for years it was always a hobby loved doing it again it was that working with your hands thing it was really therapeutic for me and then I just kind of started, I remember it was a friend who said, why don't you just put it online, like put it on Etsy and see what happens. And so I just started doing that and a few things sold. And I mean, I, I technically launched my business in 2013, but I did everything wrong for the next five years. <laughs> so it was like a lot of just, you know, I didn't ask for help because I didn't know what I was doing and, and I didn't want anyone else to know. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I just didn't even know where to start. I didn't, you know, find, seek out guidance of any kind, which I really regret. Mm. Um, I just kind of plunked away and I quietly assumed that I would fail at it. And it's kind of interesting because it wasn't that I thought it, it's one of those things where it's like, what would you try even if you knew you were going to fail? And that's really what it was for me. It was like, well, it's not like I'm leaving some path I'm already on I'm just doing entry-level jobs so why don't I just kind of keep doing this on the behind the scenes and keep growing it um, and then eventually it just got to the point where I couldn't do that and my day job yeah. um, time-wise financially wise it was a big risk when I leapt in it's not like I was making tons of money but I was making enough that it felt like I think I just want to try and jump in again this is five years at this point like it's not like it was six months or a year it was very very slow growth for me um, and again doing everything wrong for a long time but it really I just felt it's just why not you know it was like why not and I haven't really tried anything else I'm not so I'm not doing the college thing I'm not doing I'm not having kids I'm not doing the career yeah. corporate thing so I don't know maybe I'll try maybe I'll try this out see if that takes um but with kind of zero vision and it was really just a, a total risk to be honest which I am not much of a risk taker but I think again, this is a five year in the making risk. So it was, it was a long time, but for me, that was, that was a big deal. Well, I think what you share is so important. And my husband and I talk about this all the time that we think entrepreneurs just have it all together. You think a company that has a hundred employees is like, oh, they, they've just figured everything out. But we see this often. And like, even where he works now, it's like, it's a shit show behind the scenes. Like nobody knows what they're doing. There's not totally. as much structure as you think. The vision is non-existent. And like, it's just 
we figured out something that works by trial and error. And we're just, we're in the rat race with everybody else. So I think it's really refreshing to hear you share that. Like there wasn't this grand master plan and this beautiful diploma on the wall. It was like, okay, I'm just going to try and nothing's polished, but let's see where this goes. And I'm curious, like, how did you know it was jewelry? Was that like a surefire thing for you? Were you dead set that like, I have a talent in jewelry design that nobody else does? Or how did you land that this is going to be what I bring to market? Oh, that's such a good question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that specifically like that. I love that. I think that I'd always done it as a little kid. I'd always loved it. And it's funny. I'm the only one in my family that in my immediate family that wears jewelry. Again, I come from family that wants to live off the grid. Like they don't even have wedding rings. Like all that stuff is seen as very frivolous. So I was, I'm the weirdo in the family. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so I was always loved it. And then I think it was as a hobby, it was an easier one to get into in the sense that it's not a huge investment. It's not, you know, you can kind of get a few pieces here and there. I used to buy things from thrift stores and take them apart and redesign them and stuff like that. So, you know, I loved clothing and shoes and all that, but to go in just as a hobby, that would have just been a harder hobby, I think. So I think it was kind of just logistically, it made more sense as I was growing up. Um, And then, you know, when I was living alone, when I was younger, I, you know, didn't have the space or the money to invest in huge amounts of anything. So again, it was just jewelry is something you can just use what you've got or reuse things or find things along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have just always loved it. There's something about the feeling when you put jewelry on, it just makes you feel different. And, um, you know, I love beautiful clothes and all that, but there is something about when I put jewelry on, it just, it just makes me feel good. And then being able to make something and, and create that same experience. And then seeing other people have that same experience of something you've created. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Um, So yeah, I think, I think it was always jewelry. I think that was always a thing, but I, I also kind of feel like things lined up in a certain way that it just made more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely my thing. I, I love it. Amazing. And I'm curious, how did you get your first few sales? Like, I know you mentioned you set up an Etsy shop and, you know, things did not go according to plan <laughs> for the first few years, but once you decided, okay, it's going to be jewelry and you decided, okay, I have a product to sell. Where did those first few sales come from and how did you get the product into more hands from there? Definitely in-person's pop-ups and that were huge. Um, Mm. Online was great because it's a great way to test things out. So, you know, I'd have a few sales on Etsy, that kind of thing, nothing major. um, But it was just once you get it in front of people and you hear the feedback and you can take what people see, see what people gravitate towards, watch people pick it up, feel it, have the experience of it. Um, you learn so much more about what you should be designing, what works, what doesn't work. Um, and that was definitely the thing for me that really changed things. I I was so, I'm very introverted and I did not want to put myself out there at all. And I like just hiding behind the scenes and being online. Um, and also in the fashion industry, I was terrified to put myself out there. And now what am I going to say? I'm a high school dropout. I'm a, you know, self-taught design, you know, all of these things that again it's that identity piece that I didn't view myself as what I thought a jewelry designer was supposed to look like and I was so scared to show up as who I was who's going to buy from somebody who didn't get to grade 10 you know Mm -hmm. um 
but again, it's just stories that we tell ourselves instead of actually just going forward and doing it. Um, but once I did do the in-person events that really helped sales, I still didn't share my story for several years later, yeah. <laughs> but it was like the first step was putting it out there and seeing the public reaction to it, which was positive, which is amazing. And I want to fast forward a little bit just because we're on this topic today, you are sharing your story and you have your own podcast and, you know, just speaking with you on the mic, like I can tell you're a lot more comfortable with who you are and owning these incredible aspects of you that maybe once you were ashamed of, but now you're like, I think this is something I need to be sharing and not feel any shame around. How did you get from the point of I'm so scared to be who I really am to now building a platform, having kind of your own personal brand, like what are some of the things you had to do to get to this point? Because there's a incredible transformation that has happened. Thank you. Yeah, it, it feels, I, I feel like a different person and I, I appreciate that um, being palpable and, and you can see that. Um, I think a few things. I think I just got so tired of everything looking perfect all the time, you know? And I just yeah. feel like we've seen every single version of perfection. I don't want to be another version of that. And I've started to think, what does, what I don't have the best jewelry. I'm not the best jewelry designer. I'm not the best brand. When people buy from me, they buy from me. I love what I make and the people that buy from me love it, but they buy because of who I am and they buy because what the brand means to them. Mm -hmm. And once I really connected those dots of, you know, it's, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to have the funds that maybe a gigantic brand has but that doesn't mean that I don't serve a purpose or fill a gap somewhere. And I think it was bridging that concept because I love fancy things, but I'm not a fancy person. Yeah. And that's really what the brand is to me is that, you know, I'm in this industry. I'm a total misfit in here. I'm like the weird Island kid that I stuttered when I was younger. I like, dropped out of high school. I'm just not what you would think of this person, but I want to wear beautiful things and I appreciate beautiful things. So that's my personality. That's who I am. So how can I make that my brand? And then it was at these in-person events, the things that people were interested in about me were the weird things, were this, the story. I lived on an island, which I used to be yeah. so scared to tell anybody, but that's the thing that's interesting. Like, why not? It's weird, it's, it is, but it makes you, like I did Girl Guides by correspondence. That's a weird story, right? <laughs> like, and that's something that's interesting and that's unique. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to do with jewelry, but it's part of the brand and it's part of the people that I sell to and the people that resonate are those people that, you know, they are looking for something real. They're looking for a connection. and. I'm very much focused on community. And I think once I realized the only way you can have community is by being vulnerable and open and sharing mm -hmm. your story with people and hearing other people's stories, that's when everything kind of clicked. Um, and I think because I didn't have that community growing up, it is just so important to me to have that now. And, you know, you have to give in order to get back, right? So the more I shared of my own story, it made people feel seen and heard and like, oh God, I felt like that too. Um, the the podcast, the one episode where I talked about, I um, hid in a washroom at an event because I felt like such an imposter. That's mm -hmm. such an embarrassing story. That's such a dumb story, but yeah. that's 
the story that people resonate with because it's like everybody yep. has been somewhere where they felt oh what if I'm going to be found out what if yep. you know that kind of thing so that was sort of the transformation once it all clicked of talking to people and then you realize oh the thing that connects us all is the stuff that makes us human the stuff that nobody cares really all your accomplishments like good for you but mm -hmm. it's how you make people feel and um, once that all clicked, then things really changed and there's just no going back. I could not do the perfection thing again. And yeah. no, not for me. <laughs> mm, I love that you dropped perfectionist from your resume and that probably really? felt so good to take that title <laughs> totally, off. <laughs> totally. What a burden. <laughs> what yeah. does Leah Yard Designs look like today? Can you describe the business and what you do and what problem you solve to somebody who's never been on your website or never seen your incredible products before? Totally. So it's a demi fine jewelry brand. So essentially, we're just one step below fine jewelry. So price range is around 50 to $200. So it's not cheap and cheerful, but it's like a nice quality piece of jewelry that you can invest in and enjoy for several years, if not a lifetime. Um, and it's really meant to be like express your personal style. So for me, I love wearing lots of layers of gold jewelry with like today I'm in t-shirt and ripped jeans and that's like always what I'm in with just a ton of jewelry. So it's that kind of juxtaposition of fashion, which I love, which is very on brand. Again, it's that mixing of, I'm not fancy, but I like fancy things. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a beer and nacho kind of girl. So like, that's very much the-, the Me too. We, <laughs> should, we should hang out. I know. <laughs> get your jewels on let's go <laughs> <I'm in. laughs> um, and it's just it's really meant to be I mean when it was strictly online the goal is just to have a little piece of internet real estate where people are supported and encouraged and it's very community-based um my favorite part about my company is the email marketing I the email list that is where I treat people and it is just so fun we share stories um, get little VIP perks and it is just that sense of community and it's very cool because now um, now that in-person events are back and I started doing those it's so wonderful when you're at your little booth and people come up and tell you like oh I'm on your list and I just want you to know how much I appreciate like the connection that I feel yeah. oh I mean it just that gives me goosebumps like I just love that and that to me is is why it is bigger than just a jewelry brand I there's a million jewelry brands out there you know and mm -hmm. it's just I want when people have a piece to feel celebrated and not just in how they look but in who they are um and we also I, I donate five percent of all profits to the downtown east side women's center which is a local charity here that helps vulnerable women in vancouver's downtown east side which is very um important to me because we work very closely to that neighborhood yeah. um so it's not going to solve any problems but again it's like mm -hmm. the idea of giving back building community helping people out um it's yeah it's a real sense of um, camaraderie and I just love that part of it and that's the part that's been the most surprising to me is I never saw that coming I thought I was just making jewelry <laughs> mm -hmm. you realize that the vision is so much bigger than just you totally, now right and totally. that's when the magic happens is when you're like it's not all about me it's about yes, everybody and the yes. people that this has connected me to so that's really beautiful yes totally and so 
are you doing everything? Like, are you the jewelry maker, the marketer, the person who's out at the events, the one posting on social media, the one hosting the podcast? Tell us what your week in the life looks like. <laughs> totally. So I'm always very careful to say we, because I, I was, you know, I think it's so important that nobody does anything alone. So yes. I don't do everything. So everything is designed by me in Vancouver. I do have a production team. Um, I have help with sales. I have help with bookkeeping. Yes. Um, usually it's just me in the studio, you know, packing up orders. If you get an email, it's from me. Yes. Um, In-person events, always me. Um, yeah, so it, it's, and as far as day to day, it, it's a lot, the podcast is all me and that that's a lot, but very fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm kind of like you, Kelsey, where I just like, I love what I do. So, you know, it's, there's definitely parts of my job that are not my favorite thing, mm -hmm. but overall it's, you know, you get that energy to take on so much just because you're so revved up about what you're doing and who you're connecting with. Um, the pandemic definitely push things back a little bit. I was on track to get a little more help in the studio and that, you know, put a bit of a, um, a curve we'll say <laughs> in the, in the journey. Um, but we're yeah back on track. And, um, again, now the in-person events are back. It, there's just nothing like it. There's, there's nothing like it. So I'm very excited to do more pop-ups and collaborate with other brands and mm. just, um, show my face a little more <laughs> in the public. <laughs> so true. I'm so glad that stuff is back too, because I know as a consumer, I love interacting with brands yeah. and getting yeah. to know the founder and just like meeting you or seeing and touching things. So I think that's totally. so powerful. Even if you do still want to hide in the bathroom some days, <laughs> it's like for the most part, it's just so good to get out into the real world yes. and uh, yeah, have that back on our side. Definitely. So before I let you go, I just need to dive deep on the podcast for a minute. So you host the podcast Voted Least Likely, which I yes. just had the pleasure of being featured on. I love the name, by the way, and I'm assuming you. you named the podcast because you're kind of the least likely to become an entrepreneur, to start the podcast. What else were you voted least likely to do? <laughs> or what else would you have said you were going to be voted least likely to do in your life that you are doing now? Definitely. Yeah, that's absolutely where the name came from. It's also kind of a little joke at, you know, in yearbooks, they would say, you know, voted most likely. Well, I didn't finish high school. So I was definitely, <laughs> I was definitely voted least likely to be in the yearbook. Yeah, I love that. Um, so yeah, it just popped into my head. And I used to joke and say, I'm the least likely person to have ended up in the fashion industry. And um, I still very much believe that. And I find a lot of things I take on, I feel like I'm the misfit a little bit. Um, because of my upbringing in those four years where I was removed from society, I kind of felt like I was always playing catch up and I was always behind. Yeah. Um, and the podcast, I mean, it, it's really all about, like, I'm definitely not the person to tell you how to be successful. There are people that are way better at that than I am, but I'm kind of the person to make you feel less alone on your way to success. That's, that's what my goal is. Cool. Um, because I think when I started my journey, I just felt like there was something seriously wrong with me. I didn't understand why I wasn't looking like everyone else in the fashion industry, why my brand wasn't growing, why I wasn't making sales like everybody. And, yeah. you know, you can relate, I'm sure when you're working alone, you can spiral and you start, you know, thinking what's wrong with me and all of that. And, um, you know, I, I do see a shift in social media where there is more vulnerability out there. 
but we still got a ways to go and demystifying what it actually takes to be successful um because it, it isn't all glamour and working from a beach or you know it's there's a lot of early mornings late nights hard work sacrifice mm-hmm. um it's worth it but it's not for everybody so that's yeah the the title kind of was spurred by that just I can't believe I'm doing what I'm doing because there's just no way I would have thought that was the path you know when I was little or got even 10 years ago <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. have thought so yeah. <laughs> well, we're so glad that you are doing what you do. What you have created is so inspiring. And just the transparency around the fact that it's not easy and there's going to be a lot of ebbs and flows and ups and downs. And it's okay to be honest and to share the highs and the lows. So thank you for being on the Visionary Life podcast, for sharing so vulnerably with us and like I said, cannot wait to meet you in person and hang out and grab some beer and nachos together. Um, I am in complete admiration of everything you've shared today. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much, Kelsey. This is like a, a vision board moment to be on Yay! the show. I already checked something off the new year. Uh, thank you so much and for, for having me and for just all the value you put out there and for always being yourself, being consistent and um, cheering us on. Visionary, I know you, you're a health nut and you want to save money on the brands you love. Well, Healthy Planet is your one-stop shop for all things healthy. They have everything from gluten-free snacks to non-toxic beauty products to supplements that are going to help you focus during the workday and they deliver straight to your doorstep. Being healthy has never been easier, more affordable, or more convenient than this. So shop with Healthy Planet today and get 10% off your first order of $50 or more by using the code visionary 2022 at checkout that's visionary 2022 at checkout so start saving today by heading to healthyplanetcanada.com and use the code visionary 2022 at checkout Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis, so it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show on either iTunes or Spotify. It just takes a second. And if you don't want to rate the show, you could also just take a screenshot of the episode and share it on your social media platform of choice, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode.